RadioInfluence.com. On today's episode, we are having a conversation with a U.S. Army veteran, Leah Monthavo. She is a wellness coach that aims on a holistic and natural approach to improve mental health through fitness, nutrition, and mindset. Graduate and upcoming squad leader of FitOps Foundation, a nonprofit organization helping veterans transition into the personal training field. She loves to educate and coach individuals to overcome their mind with their bodies. In this discussion, we will be addressing many issues, so please tune in to the As You Were podcast. Leah, you are a United States Army veteran. Uh, you yep. are a, a woman entrepreneur, right? And you are a single mother. Um, you've yep. also faced some trauma. So I think you are a very well-rounded individual. And on today's episode, we wanted to discuss what it is, the overall climate of women in the military. Also, you as a uh, a businesswoman outside the military, you know, what is that climate like? We were touched by the Vanessa Gain story, and we felt as if, you know, we wanted to bring light to the overall climate and environment of military sexual trauma in the military. We want to touch on a few avenues and, you know, I, I, I know that you've gone through your own experiences and at any point, if, if, if you feel uncomfortable or triggered, you know, please let us know. We, as men, as uh, we're, you know, as veterans, uh, men that were in the military, we can support women and we can support women empowerment all we want. And, you know, we can say, you know, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and all these things are terrible. But hearing it from a woman's perspective makes so much of a difference. For example, someone that, you know, they may be sincere when they have, you know, issues of race, like say a Caucasian person says like, oh, I totally understand, you know, the, the whole Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. But until, you know, you, it's hard to truly understand unless you are a minority. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So that is where we want to. So uh, if you don't mind, tell us like just from the beginning. So when did you join and everything like that? So I joined when I was 17 uh, back in like 2008. Then I got out at like 2014. So I did six years in um, and I was pretty much thrown right into a different country. Like I, I didn't go straight to Afghanistan. I went to Korea, um, did that for a little over a year. Interesting stories there. Um, Please share. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I became what they call an international holdover. Um, they held me over in country because I had a pending court martial. Um, <laughs> Wait for what? For what? Right. Much. Um, we can't skip over that one now. <laughs> you you slapping okay. bitches up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's kind of what happened. I got into a physical altercation with another soldier and I threw them over a railing and they went down three flights of stairs. Are you fucking Suge Knight? Like, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I like this woman in power. Yeah, I was 19. They I just talk shit, get hit. <laughs> okay. So you were court. All so yeah. are you allowed to talk about this now or, you know, there's nothing pending, right? It's over with. I mean, come on. It's been a long time. Yeah, and what is the military going to do Okay, so I want to hear this story. Start from the beginning. Okay, so she was talking shit. No, I'm kidding. So what happened exactly? <laughs> so you were held over. Yeah, pretty much, you know, got really drunk. Um, I was with the guy I was dating at the time. And apparently he was cheating on me with, with another soldier. And um, the girl got was really drunk herself. And she followed us up the stairs. Because, like, in Korea, the clubs are, like three, four stories up high on a building. So we're walking up to the fourth story where the club is. And on the way up, the girl charges me and starts hitting me. And I'm already drunk because, you know, over there, you're pre-gaming before you actually get That's there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, going up, she starts hitting me. 
uh, the guy I'm dating pulls me off and then I think someone else comes down, pulls her off. And this is a while ago, so I can't remember complete details. And you were drunk. But so I remember vividly. Yeah, I was drunk. But I remember specifically walking up the stairs, passing the club into the next story, which was like where it ends to kind of get away from it. Cause I'm just like, look, I'm drunk. I'm at, trying to have a good time. Like, leave me alone. But she follows me up the stairs and she gets into my face and she just keeps talking and talking. And I'm just sitting there silently, like in my head, she needs to get out of my face. Like I'm getting angry. <laughs> and, uh, eventually gets to a point where I count down from like five and then, I just knock her over the railing and she goes down. And then I'm so pissed and rage because I did not want to get to that point. I run down the stairs. I follow her and I grab her by the head, start smashing her head into the cement um, stairs. And then I start stomping on her until people pull us apart. And then I kind of black out from there. Um. So, so, <laughs> so I, I guess, so. you know, I what was the uh, takeaway from that experience, I mean, like, I mean, because overall, don't black out drunk in Korea and beat bitches up and no, throw them down the stairs. Empathy. I'll be honest. Um, it's such a powerful moment for me because I learned empathy in the sense of what I did was wrong, um, what she did was wrong, and uh, thankfully, because I was one of those military, like, I was one of those soldiers that really worked hard. And really was serious on the work that I was given. And I mm -hmm. put so much pride in it because this is the funny thing. I was an armor. So I worked in the armory and, you know, I did all the inspections for the weapons and uh, maintenance, all that good stuff. Um, because I worked directly for the brigade, my battalion command was really close with me. I don't explain that, but we worked hand in hand on a lot of things and they knew I worked hard. So pretty much they were like, we know your character. This is not you. However, we're going to have to keep you until we figure out this court martial. Cause the brigade commander was like, Hey, look, you're, you're getting kicked out the military. How long so was that process? Like court martial uh, and everything like that? It wasn't, it wasn't long. Cause I didn't actually end up with the court martial. They, the battalion command batted for me and was like, Hey, let's just make it a 45, 45, um, article 45, mean? article 15. Sorry. Okay. Where 45 days, um, restriction restriction and i forgot what the other 45 is but it was restriction and i couldn't do anything or go anywhere that's why i ended up staying lo longer in country um to finish out my quote-unquote sentence so, so um, after that happened so what was like the major change for you because you said you were a hard worker and everything like that so, so did you said you had empathy and all did you have an empathy for the the individual that you had a altercation with or just empathy like wow i need to change who I am at this point in time? All of it. Because um, here's the thing. One thing I did not add, which I probably should have at the beginning, was um, that was towards the end of my time in Korea. The first half, um, the beginning of my time in Korea, I was actually um, sexually assaulted. And uh, it came from a, a senior um, non-commissioned officer. So someone higher in the rankings. And I held into all of that anger and hurt and everything I was dealing with. So I think I was super numb for a long time. Hence the constant drinking, the literally like, look, I don't need this in my life. Like get out of my face kind of deal. Um, but yeah, after the situation, I really I don't want to get all into uh, spirituality, but mm -hmm. I, I found my a stronger relationship with God. And I really realized that um, I have to look at people um, with the eye of empathy as well as myself. Because when I hit her, to be honest, even though she was annoying, I really think it was just because I was so enraged with what I was dealing with that year. Because, you know, not only was like I taking... Projecting everything that happened yeah prior. yeah i was definitely projecting everything um and this you know might be a little bit much for other people to hear but you know i lost my virginity because of that and it really stuck with me like it really i, I looking back at it now i realized how much it affected me and to be honest if who would have knows maybe i would have never been in that situation if i was never assaulted by that you know non-commissioned officer so Thank you for, you know, sharing that information. And, and I know that it's it's uh, not easy at times. But 
overall, I guess, what was the environment at that time with sexual assault and trauma within the command or, you know, your experience? One, did you report it? Yeah, it was actually terrible. Um, I didn't want to report it, I'll be honest, Um, because... I don't know if it's the same way now, but back then they said, if you, there's two options, it's reportable or non-reportable. I forgot the official terms, but if you go directly to a medical professional um, and you tell them what happened, you can get treated without it being considered reported, which means no one else would find out. It would stay between the medical person and you. It's either open or closed. It's at your discretion. There you go. Open and closed. I forget what the actual term was. And then there's another part where if you tell anyone um, or if anyone tells you, it has to be reported. It doesn't matter if it's your close friend, you know, your confidant, it has to be reported. So after it happened to me, I went directly to um, someone who I kind of looked up to as like my mom. She was very loving NCO. And she was like, unfortunately, because you told me, regardless, we have to go in and it has to be an open case. Um, or open report, however they call it. So that was, that broke me in half as well, because I was not trying to be around any familiar, unfamiliar faces, because I went directly to her. Mm -hmm. But we had to then, like, forcefully go into talk to the MPs and then go to the hospital and all that. So with, um, again, thank you for sharing that. So our question is, with everything that led up to that situation, what was the environment like? And was it like was it like the good old boys club? You know, it, it's for women. I I can only imagine that. You know, how long ago? How long ago were, did you serve? Again, uh, 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 um, two thousand eight, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, a, a while ago, right? So, mm-hmm. was it still like? Was it still that good old boys club in the sense where you just have to for a woman to even do well, you kind of have to almost try to like dick measure with the men in a sense. Do you understand, you understand what I'm saying? Where I do. Was it like uh, that? Was it just a very brash environment where that's not where it's unacceptable one, but was it, what was it like? If you could describe that to the listeners. It definitely a good old boy system. Let's be honest. Um, it, so just to put it out there, he got away with what happened. Um, and I still think it has to do with his ranking and the people he knew, um, because he was a very, um, powerful person, even if his rank wasn't as powerful as the highest. He was well known. So he was well known. Um, he was also part of a certain organization where they're known for taking care of people, even when they do heinous things. Was so, commissioned? huh? Was he commissioned or... He was, an he was enlisted. Yeah, he was in. He was enlisted. He was an E seven. So, even though it was reported, even though you know it started become known to everyone, I started getting treated differently. So he was well known and respected, and I had to see him often because he was still in my same space. They didn't, and it took move them him. a month. They can- no. Not for not for a month. Even, so for like, a month. So there was an invest. Was there an there was an investigation? Correct. Yep. So they didn't even move him or like separate you two or anything like that during the investigation. No. Wow. No. So I actually had to wow. see him, and then his buddies, I had to see as well too. And I would hear them, um, saying derogatory things about me, and then start spreading rumors about me. So then everything changed, and I became the person to be attacked because he was well known and he was high ranking. And I was just this little private that just got there a few months early. The crazy part about all that. And that's hearing that that makes my blood boil right now. Cause it's just that one day during the investigation, they didn't separate you guys. And it almost, you know how you said in the beginning, how you, you kind of had like this almost like fit of rage, you know, how you beat up that girl. It's almost like a getting your power back. Right. Where, these people, you know, this individual that did this heinous thing and then his 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 boys and stuff like that, they keep tormenting you. Was that like the the beginning of it where the change in you kind of happened 
you know, towards the end of uh, your time in Korea? Like, was it just constantly building up and building up and building up? Yeah, it was. Oh, my gosh, it was building up. Um, did you lose like, fr- like, where did, was it weird? You know, like how there's like a, a breakup, right? In like, mm-hmm. you know, you have, like you have two friends, like, like, say, you, you know, you're friends with both the boyfriend and the girlfriend and then they break up. Was it like people were picking sides? Picking sides, yeah. Honestly, I can't remember too much of that. There's a lot of things because it was so traumatic that I had to block out mm-hmm. and they're still like blocked out. Honestly, there's some days like recently that'll come to mind. I remember a few things. But what I do remember more is of myself and how I felt, not necessarily the people around me. Mm-hmm. I did feel like the people around me, especially at work and because um, over in Korea, since there's a quick turnover, people are only there for a year. Um, there are people who would come in and work near me or around me and didn't know me before the incident happened. And I noticed that they started seeing me kind of like in a different light of like, man, she's like angry. <laughs> like she's it's like a, a stigma. You know? Yeah. yeah I, I ended up with this this nasty stigma and I don't think people realize that I was suffering so much. So that's why like I started becoming this like angry, dark person. Um, was it a defense mechanism or was it you're just like oh for F, sure f the world because of this or both? um i it is a bit of both <laughs> and i can understand you can understand that it was a bit of both and again you know i was 18 19 like i was still a baby <laughs> yeah i was still pretty young um during this stuff so and which yeah first off you know i i i uh i definitely hear you and I feel for you. I mean, you and I have, have known each other for a long time now, you know, ever, uh, ever since high school. And, and, you know, I, I remember you from those days and hearing the story, you know, it, it truly, it breaks my heart. I mean, you're like a sister to me, which in, in that mindset, you know, me personally, you know, you know, I have a younger sister, She's on active duty as well. I served in a all in a all male unit. You know, um, I've never dealt with these type of situations, cases, sexual assault or trauma at all. And but this is such a common theme and and reality to so many women in the military. I know, and if my sister came to me and told me that anything like that happened to her, I will, I will raise hell, you know? And I think about it. If one of my male Marines came to me, you know, and uh, addressed a specific issue where they were being harassed or targeted, whether it's sexually, whether it's racially, you know, me as an NCO, it is my duty to, help or initiate some type of action and that's the and it's crazy because you you know you were just fresh out of basic training you know your first base you were overseas and you were so young that an nco is supposed to almost i guess be the protector right? right show the ropes and stuff and you know being a woman and you know being a minority as well it's it's like a double whammy against you yeah. right when you you know you get get to the fleet and everything like that right what army is a fleet no it's not, right no <laughs> i'm not sure what the army is what's the army i don't know what are we <laughs> no what's the army what's the uh what's it called it's not fleet right what do you mean like company like, company yeah right so when you platoon got, yeah there yeah. we go see the core the yeah. core yeah um nco is supposed to be the protector and show you, you know show you the ropes and stuff like that when someone abuses power like that it's it's just a bad look and it's unfortunate that's it's still happening to this day. You know, we see the situation like with Vanessa Gain and, you know, other situations like me and Sean spoke last podcast and talking about that bad leadership individuals kill and it becomes that good old boys club constantly. And if so, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you speak up, you're being a, a complainer and you're, you know, you're, you're bumping elbows with people. But if you stay quiet, then the shitty stuff continues to happen. So it's it's just hard finding the happy medium. So after all this happened, um, once you left Korea, what did you see a, a 
a positive change in yourself? Like what changed in your career, career and personal life after this situation? Honestly, a lot of it just kept going up and downhill. Like it was a constant fluctuation because, I mean, it a lot was going on in my life. We'll just put it that way where it's like I'm confused, like I'm angry. That happened to me. The only good thing was that um, I went to my next unit and it didn't carry over. So people didn't know what happened to me when I went to my next duty station, which was Fort Hood. Oddly oh, enough, like- we're talking about Vanessa. Um which is, is another thing, you know, to kind of get into the whole Vanessa part. Um, she it was reported that she was being sexually harassed and felt uncomfortable. And she made these reports. And it's kind of like what you said, like, you're you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Either way, she could report it um, and get the consequences or not report it and still deal with, you know, um, what was going on. And it could even get worse. Right. Yeah. But for me specifically, I went to Fort Hood and I like I feel like as a woman in the military, you're going to deal with it like you may not get assaulted, but you're going to get harassed. You're going to have things you're going to have situations where you realize you're being targeted for being a woman and then being targeted um, in a sexual sense. Um, so it's oh, I'm, but it's still I'm not just, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, not okay. It's like yeah. oh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's not kidding. Yeah, it's, that's it's, yeah. It's yeah, gross. no, it's not okay. And that's the that's the messed up thing is when people are like, oh, I'm just joking. You know, it, yeah. don't take it that seriously. So then then that goes into the the stigma of military women. We're either bitches or we're you know little dirty nasty girls. You know what I mean? Like Susia. There's yeah. yeah. There's there's no in between. Um, and I don't think people realize that either. Even people outside of the military give women the, like, think about it. If, uh, you talk to a civilian, Mm -hmm. you know, they look at the military soldier in the most part and they're like, okay, they're a disciplined, strong man, man. Right. But when it comes to the woman, she's either a bitch because she's trying too hard that they, they say, or, you know, there's this other stigma of, oh, I'm sure she gets passed around. Mm. They either they yeah that's the stigma yeah. where they're and we oh. don't even get recognized as being veterans. There's so many times I've been in a group of men, and someone will come into the circle and shake all the men's hands and say thank you for your service because you could tell they're military. It's just that assumption that you would be like a dependent or something like that. Yeah, it's like, wow. and it literally it's funny because usually someone in the group is like, well, this happened a few times. Um, they're like, you know. You should be thanking her for her service, especially she's the only one who who deployed. Mm -hmm. She went to Afghanistan. Wow. And then the person's like, oh, (laughs) whoa. You know what I mean? And it's like you you can't make those assumptions, um, but it's going to happen. It's it's life. You know, this is not going to change. It's cool. It's not cool. Excuse me. It's crazy that it it, the stigma sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes with with sometimes in the military where my military career, I've met very powerful woman in the beginning and that's just because have how i was wired like oh she's being such a bitch but then like when you actually have a conversation with someone you realize they're not a they're not a bitch you're looking at if they're a male if they're a female you're looking at someone being strong powerful and and you know straight to the point as being a bitch when it's in reality if it was a, a male superior you would not view that person the same way they'll be like oh he's a great leader or he he's no nonsense but when a woman does it it's kind of it's like oh she's just being a Bitch, she's trying to yeah on her period you know it's a power streak yeah Yeah. we talked about this in i think it was alpha beta right where about the your she wasn't your boss but she was your boss but you're my sucker (laughs) and and you know so sean quit like five times (laughs) (laughs) my bad as i was there you go as you were so Ah, no but so it was one of those things where i've never worked with a female in power. I've never worked under a woman in power. And it was new and different to me. And and I'll, I'll be honest, I I had that mentality. Like, you know, like, I'm so used to... You had that Conan mentality? Well, I don't know about Conan, but it was, <laughs> it was like, I'm so used to working with, with, with males that there's that sense of, of relaxation mm-hmm. in, in knowing that, okay, like, hey, like, that's like that's my boss. Well, what's cool and what's not kind of right. It's like when you yeah. spar, like it's yeah, it's just like sparring. So um, 
if I spar like a a girl, like say like Lee Layout or yeah. like my wife, like you like mm, what's too hard? What yeah. is a good pace? What can you you? It's like adjusting to someone, but it should be like that with any boss. It shouldn't matter sexuality. Where gender, that's right. what that's what we're excuse me, not sexuality. Yes, gender. Where we're learning about that. It should be the person. It shouldn't be if they're male or female. Okay, what vibes with them? What can't? Because some women take better jokes than some some dudes I know. True. I'm sensitive. Some people will say something. I'll give you a look like. Mm, well, I, you I were in the Air Force, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Damn. <laughs> Daddy. Okay, yeah. You're, you're right. So, yes. I'm going to cry well, about this I, later. That's the interesting <laughs> part that, you know, you guys brought that up because when I left Fort Hood, I went into a special operations command. I was a detachment. And these men have never been around a woman. I was the first woman to be a part of that detachment of uh, like 30 plus men. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it became a miserable place for me. People would be like, oh, Miami, this is awesome. This is great for you, you know, right? And I thought so too because I was close to home. But I realized being around a whole bunch of men who've never been around women really made things uncomfortable. Men the are first gross. Month, Just, well, <laughs> we're gross. Here's, here's the thing, you know, it, it's nothing new to me. I mean, I, I have stories way before joining the military, but um, – while I got to that unit for four months, literally they isolated me and mm-hmm. they started treating me like a delicate flower in a sense because they were afraid of um, an EO complaint or sexual harassment. And I would hear them say these things and they didn't think I heard them. Um, but, you know, I would overhear these conversations and it was uncomfortable for me because I'm one of those those chicks that definitely could take a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I joke around with the guys. My mouth tends to be filthier than them most of the time. So it was very uncomfortable because I'm trying to do my job, settle in, figure out, you know, the ropes at the same time, manage people who felt so uncomfortable with me being around. You can cut the tension in the air. That's like how in- insane it was for the first four months. So to play devil's advocate. So because there's a catch 22 with it yeah. too, for example, um, so there's a lot of like there's um there are women and for me like security forces or you know and then Sean the Marines you know you in the army where they'll say like oh yeah no I'm just like one of the guys but right when a male says something that may be raunchy that they would say to their male counterpart and they say it to a female sometimes that person will be like oh I feel uncomfortable and then they will make an EO complaint of some sort and it kind of it kind of messes the vibe up so what I'm saying is like, can you, can you see both sides? Like, I don't, I personally think that everyone should just be treated equally. If you're going to, if you start the convo and you speak, you know, filthy or whatever, you're throwing F-bombs and stuff. Hey, we know the tone where we can go. What is your, what is your thought on that? I agree hundred percent. And that's why I was very, um, okay with how things were. I I understood. Mm -hmm. You know, I just got out of Afghanistan. I was there for a year. And I've dealt with other people who never dealt with women before. Um, It just wasn't in the constant, like, we work directly, directly together. So they have to also be careful. And it's, I definitely don't, like, have any weird feelings towards them, like, um, hatred or anything like that, because of how they treated me. I I definitely understood. Yeah. And they changed over time because they started realizing that I was a person they could joke around mm. with. So I did. And here's the funny part, too. Yeah, they, they've said some raunchy stuff that definitely made me feel uncomfortable. However, back then I was like, well, I should take this. I should just go with it because then they'll feel more comfortable to be around me. So I started allowing myself to be uncomfortable so they can feel more comfortable and we could eventually meet in the middle. Well, you know, and, and I, I think I'm going to challenge you both here because, you know, I think that is the overall argument as as to how do we change the stigma? How do we change what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate? You know, so take out gender and move it to race where in the military we say, like, we only see red or green, either blood or, or, or uniform, and we don't believe in prejudice or, or racism that, you know, you are my brother, you are my sister. So when I make a joke about, you know, a white guy or, you know, a white guy 
makes a joke about me as a, as a Spanish guy that that all Hispanics are Mexicans, you know. Um, Wait, we aren't? Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of just one of those things where, you know, where at what point do we start to change the conversation and hold each other accountable where it's like, hey, yo, like, this is your sister you're talking about. You don't because if because if anybody joked on I'm on on my real sister in any type of way that I felt was demeaning or inappropriate, I'm gonna be I'm gonna jump down the ass. So for me, it's like okay, I've never in, interacted with a female at work in the military. If if I shouldn't be joking around like that, why am I joking around like that? Period. And a, a person, you know, and, how can I explain? So it's the military, right? It's still work. Yeah. No one should feel uncomfortable. I don't care if you work at Walmart, Chipotle. It shouldn't, like, the, the climate of work, it shouldn't always be that raunchy. It's like, yeah, granted, the military is different. You know what I mean? But it shouldn't be like that. If someone says something, if, for example, if someone was saying, like, oh, all these Hispanics, you know, go back to Mexico. I'm like, hey, man, can you, can you not speak like that? Like, I don't appreciate that. If a guy said, like, hey, I don't think we should speak about something, it'll be accepted. But if a woman does it and is like, hey, can we not talk about that raunchiness? It's her being sensitive. Sensitive, right. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I, I I, think I have a unique perspective on this. So when we're talking, right, so in the military, it's a little bit more accepting to, to have these conversations and jokes, like racial jokes, mm-hmm. sec- like gender jokes, whatever the case is. Um I like to look and think, okay, if I am, say, triggered, right, if this specific joke bothers me, why does it bother me? And I don't know if um, I like to look as well because there's sometimes that I hear a joke. If it came from one person, I might be really pissed off. Yeah. But it ca- if it came from a different person, I may not be so much. You're not mad at the message. You're mad at the messenger. It depends. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I think, that. honestly, that's our issue. I don't think it's the message. I think it's the messenger. I think we tend to tie our emotions too much into the the message mm-hmm. when it's, that's not the problem. Because, um, I mean, I've had... I've definitely had jokes and, you know, making fun of people all the time. Like, that's what I do with my friends, especially my male friends. Um, and it's okay. Like, if things get a little bit maybe too touchy, they'll definitely be like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, man, that's that's a little too much. But that conversation alone, like that interaction made me realize, okay, that was not a good spot, but we'll move on. I know better now. We'll move on. I think you know, a lot of people right now are dealing with, they don't like who it's coming from. So they get super upset over it. And then it becomes something that it really isn't. Um, that's just me personally. I agree. So, yeah. And, and I think, and I, I know that you've currently been facing this issue in your personal life, Leo, at home, you know, and a lot of it has to, a lot to do with your political views and also uh, social media. And it's, if you're comfortable, you want to elaborate on, on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, we can. Uh, so I am, my family's Puerto Rican. Uh, my stepfather. And my stepfather who married my mom when I was five is a black man. So most of my siblings are half, um, and I come from a large family, right? We're all different colors. And I'm a single mom. I have a son of a, a, basically a white child, half white, half Puerto Rican, but he looks Asian. Not sure where that came from, but (laughs) um, I promise not the milkman. Either way, um, (laughs) every, my entire life, my family leaned very left. And that's what I leaned because that's what I knew of. However, after the last election, I realized that I wasn't seeing the full picture. I was only seeing half of it because in my mind, how in the world did someone become president when it seems like everyone around me hates him? And I started digging and digging and realizing stuff. And I'm like, well, you know what? My change is 
what I thought I believed in isn't what I believe in. And I started, this goes more into the whole empathy and understanding and open mindset. Um, however, my family, they believe strongly still on the other side. They are very against the president, um, very pro social issues on certain things. So when they found, um, that I'm supporting the president, um, it, it created a huge, um, it, it's, it severed my family. Um, it really became like a, you're either on one side or the other side. And I ended up having to, I was forced out of my home for it. So it just became like this very huge tension, um, just because of my political views. And it goes into that whole thing where it's like, people are so emotionally tied to what they believe or how they feel about a person that they won't actually listen to the message or take the message as for what it is, or don't get that burnt by a message, if that makes sense. And it goes on both sides too, because I have friends that I'm looking at you, Sean. Um, I have two friends that they constantly argue on social media for on politics. And I love both. They're, one is very left and one is very right. Um, no, you really are I, talking about me. Yeah, I'm looking oh. dead in your eyes. Um, <laughs> and it's, I feel like you're politically, like, that's, that's disheartening. And, you know, because in the Hispanic community, we're very close. Yeah. And for your political views to be, you know, kicked out of your house is, Black bear, it's fucked up, you know, um, that people get so, but I think it's also the whole COVID thing. No one has anything to do. Well, I'm talking about right now. So I'm talking about Sean now. Now about your situation um, where people's <laughs> political views are so strong. And all we could do right now is be on Facebook. We can't do much right now. Um, with that, we can do a lot, but sorry, go on. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I'm, what I'm saying is that everyone is looking at it every, no matter what the choice is, whether it's about COVID, whatever the case, it's a, it's something political and people are speaking to each other on social media, not to reason or have listen. a conversation or listen. It's yeah. to hear themselves or see them to self type. Yeah. And all these people are, are so the one liners, the, yes. the, the, the uppers, you the... sound offended. <laughs> um, but what I'm getting to at is that everyone is so for a president or so against them that they don't look at the uh, a person. For example, whatever my say, Sean, Sean's very right. I I still value Sean as who he is. If someone's very left, I still value them as who they are. A lot of people are deciding who their friends are on their political Politics, beliefs, yeah. which exactly. makes no sense. Why, why does it matter? It, it, this person's not shooting anyone up. They're not, you know, they're not killing anyone. They're not saying anything wrong. It's just their political views and. I don't understand where that where that came from. It's yeah. the emotional tie. You know, it's yeah. one thing that I constantly say. It's, you know, people are doing the best they can with the information and experiences that they have. So a lot of people are emotionally triggered and they don't realize it. And that's why there's such where do you think that comes division from? from their personal because think about it. Um I think that's just my perspective. A lot of people who are completely against the president is because they think that anyone who supports the president is against um, people of color, which Black Lives Matter and supporting, like knowing that Black Lives do matter, are two separate things. Um, the movement is 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 political. BLM. We know this. Like it's out there. Um, the whole LGBT community. If you're with the pre well. I'm going to get on a whole different hole there. I'm sorry. But basically, people are assuming if you're for the president, you must believe X, Y, Z. If you're against the president, you believe in X, Y, Z. And we need to stop thinking like that as a culture. Do you think we need that to we, be able... Do you think we need to stop picking sides, though? What I don't see an issue with saying like, hey, say if someone says, hey, I support the president, but I don't like these policies, but I like what he did here. Or, hey, I, I can support this liberal thinking, but I don't like certain aspects. What's wrong with being down the middle? Or even free thought. It's okay. Like It's I, free thought until it goes against what people well, you know, and, agree and, with. Yeah, you know, and, and going back to my participation on, 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 on social media, 
I just read your comments. I'm like 40 comments deep, like Michael Jackson <laughs> with the popcorn. I'm like, oh, this is getting good. This is getting good. Yeah. No, but you know, it's like so. But it's just one of those things where just like you would rather slander someone, berate them, call them outside their names. You know, talk to them. Like if you saw someone in the street, would you would you still act and do the same? You know, and, I think that's ego talking. Yeah, you know, and and. But but that's keyboard warriors. But but that's where <laughs> we are turning into, and I, I sound ridiculous right now because I. But at the end of the day, it's like, why can't we have civil discourse? You know, why can't we agree to disagree, but still love each other at uh, tomorrow? And that's that's my overall argument and, and issue. A lot of times where it's like, hey, you know, why can't we just hear each other out and we don't have to agree on it, but we can, you know, be civil about it. Why can't we be old school? What was it? There's two things you don't talk about at the dinner table, religion and politics. Politics. You know, it it seems like that. hmm? Go ahead. No, go on. Sorry. I was saying it just seems like it's almost like people like I support the gay community. I don't care. You know who I don't care who you sleep with. You know what I mean? But I don't think that your sexuality should be your personality. I don't think your political views should be your personality. I feel like you should be your own person with different views and different likes and dislikes. I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like we, I think that is the problem. I think the problem is because for such a long time, we were told not to talk politics or religion. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the problem. Mm. I think by not having having conversations and making it so taboo is why we were why we are where we are today because i feel like if cuz think about it all this political stuff has really come to the the surface for the general population because of what year it is because it's election year but if we would have been having these conversations constantly throughout the years because it is important mm-hmm. um, not just on election year i don't think we would be ha- we would be having these issues but there's clearly an intent to divide this country. Um, so I think we should have been we should have been having conversations at the dinner table. I think these things are so important to talk about. Um, and because everyone's afraid to talk is really why we are where we are at today. People are now finally speaking up and they're speaking up with such pent up frustration. And I know it because it really brings me back to what I was telling you about before. You know, I was suppressed for such a long time um, dealing with my trauma that finally when the opportunity came, I went full force and I damaged people on the way down. And I think that's what's happening with people right now. They're being so silented. They're being oppressed. And now that they're speaking up, they're speaking up with such rage. They can't, you know, see the other side because it's so opposing to them. And I... You know, you actually changed my mind. I'm like, okay, that does make sense where it shouldn't be something that's uh, taboo, like you said, talking about, you know, politics and policies, what you believe in. But like you said, like, uh, it's almost like that rage that comes out where it it, it becomes a a power thing. You know, I've been silent for so long that I need to, it it all comes out at once. It's almost like if you've been bullied your whole life constantly, you're constantly bullied, you're constantly bullied, and all of a sudden – it's just like someone says something mean to you and then boom, it's off to the races. And to go back to what we were talking earlier in regards to, you know, being a, a woman in the military and everything like that. Does it has that happened to you in your career where, you know, you just feel like, you know, you're you're picked on, you're picked on or you're kind of pushed to the side where it just you just implode. and You're like, you know what? Fuck this. I need to show who I am and whether it's a positive or a negative. And, and and before you answered it, you know, I mean, you've been out in the military now for I believe six years or so. I mean, you are a entrepreneur. You are a woman in business. You know, you're you're working towards a lot of things and 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 also women empowerment. You know, what is that mindset today as well? As far as you know, how you have to conduct yourself as a woman, whether to men or other women? For sure. So in the military, um, after all of that, I definitely started changing. I became more 
aggressive and I would just say more masculine, not to like mimic a man, but to be, to feel stronger. So my personality came out as stronger and more aggressive and, um, at work it would be the same way. Like I was just the no bullshit kind of person, um, at my job and with my soldiers. Um, and did it's, you still have that empathy though for your soldiers? Oh yeah, or like I did. No. Okay. So me and my soldiers have great relationships, but they knew me as someone who was like no nonsense. So like if they, my, my sounds weird, but my punishment was fair. It was, it was punishment, but it was fair. And they knew if like, you gave punishment, they knew, okay, I fucked up. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, it, and it's interesting because we had such a good personality is that they took it even deeper. It wasn't like, oh, man, I fucked up. It was like, man, I let my NCO down. Mm-hmm. I, I let Simon Tavo down. And that's how and leadership should be. Like, it's almost like, oh, man, you they want to make you proud. Right. Yeah. So when they fuck mm-hmm. up, it's like it's like, damn, she's a, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. They're like, oh, that's like the worst thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. And I was fine tuning my leadership skills in there because I was like, OK, I know what bad leadership looks like because I had to deal with it going through what I went through. Um, and I knew I wouldn't want to ever do that to my soldiers. So when I became a leader, I was like, all right, well, I'm still going to be the no nonsense. But at the same time, I'm going to have empathy. And my goal was to always know what was going on in their lives. Um, because if my NCOs would have known back then what was going on with my life, I think things would have, would have changed. I would have not ended up in situation, situations that I was in because I just need someone to hear me out, you know? Mm. So in the military, I transitioned, you know, I went through Fort Hood and there we had women. So, you know, I had girlfriends and stuff like that. But when I went to Miami, um, I didn't have any any females really there. Um, some of them were intelligence and they were up in the skiff, which I wasn't around often. Um, the skiff is a security, you know, the secret squirrel place. Um, thank you for saying, I was about like, uh, can you say what the skiff is for our listeners? Yeah. The secret squirrel, we'll call it that. Um, but yeah, pretty much the only female I saw was our cleaning lady. And that was once a week. So (laughs) I, uh, Consuela, I, (laughs) we all brown here well, right <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it can't be racist because racist is when you think your race is above another and yeah. we're all brown so i mean puerto ricans and Colombian. No, i'm kidding <laughs> here we go <laughs> i'm sorry here you go so t- but um so interestingly enough um before i got to that unit I wanted to be like the man. I wanted to level up. So I literally got like my PT game. I was making, I was maxing out my PT, my physical training tests. Um, every time I became the fittest woman in my unit when I was in Afghanistan, I was doing crazy fitness competitions left and right. I was doing like 20 pull-ups, um, real quick. Like it was like nothing. Um, so that when I got to this unit, I can match up with them. You know, I wouldn't be like a hindrance to them as a woman physically. Well, I ended up finding myself becoming more feminine with that unit because I was the only female there. Um, And my perspectives on everything started changing where, as I felt at one point, I think women should have the same opportunities as men and we should be rangers and all that stuff. And when I got to that unit, I realized, you know, that's no place for the military. I feel, and again, this is just my perspective. If there's going to be female rangers and, and special forces, they need to have their own. Like there needs to be a separate male special forces and a separate female special so my forces. question my question with that is then so like you were saying you were beasting your pt test and all that stuff like that mm-hmm. so in order to get the the job done whether you know special forces whether it's ranger you do you believe in separate but equal then because i know pt tests for the air force you know a male a male's test and a female's test is completely different the standards are different would you have the standards the same for rangers for men and women because they no. both have, so so why and would this, you have it separate why why do you believe it should be separate so the way i think about it right is um I, I don't know much about the the test itself like the physical test that the men go mm-hmm. through and stuff like that um however i know a lot of it's based on on endurance in carrying a per- another person because mm-hmm. that's important when you're in the battlefield and carrying your equipment right and 
a lot of the discussion that I've heard being held was women can't be with rangers because how are you going to expect a woman to pull a man out of like a, a burning um, Humvee or something? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have to carry your your buddy if they're wounded. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't believe necessarily in equal opportunity. And I know this is going to sound weird, but I believe in equal outcome. I believe that we can't be at the starting line as equal because a man and a woman physiologically are different. Biologically, we're just different. Um, I I can't carry a man unless I work out nonstop like crazy. And I probably need a few shots of steroids. Let's be real. That's just our way our bodies work. However, I feel a man, men should have their own special forces unit and they deploy as their unit of men. And they're prepared with each other. And I think the same should be for women. Women should have their own, you know, like special forces team where they can all function together. Um, they, cause they can lift their own, you know, their own female battle buddy. If some shit goes down, they're carrying their equipment and they're at high standards. So I believe in high standards when it comes to physical fitness to, um, all the combat abilities, but if we're going to be realistic, men and women are never going to be equal in that sense. Would you just have them because do, physically? So that's my question, though. Would you have men and women have do different missions? For example, like men by nature are just phys- majority are physically stronger than women are bigger than women. Would it be different types of missions, but still, you know, special forces? Because yeah. like, because the enemy is not always going to be a woman. The, yeah. the enemy will, you know, it's going to be, you know. It'll be a man. Oh, be I'm a, not worried it, about the women. The the enemy as the women are. It, it's not about the enemy. It's about the unit itself. It's about the team itself. So, I, in in my aspect, I know what you're saying there. Yeah, I probably would have them on separate missions. So, what would be um, a I mean, what, what would be a mission for for example? I know I'm putting a spot, but for what would a man do, and then what would a woman do? You know, because men and women both have different traits and different strengths and weaknesses. I feel like women are. Meant my personal opinion are mentally stronger and can endure certain things, and men can endure certain things that women can't endure. So, what would how would you set it up? What would be a like an example? Um, see, because I'm not well versed in all stuff military, um, but. I feel like maybe if um, we had like a female sniper team, okay. you know, they were far in the back and they were taking care of that. Because I've also have heard how women tend to be better shooters than men. Just putting that out there. I have um, a shot, so that's probably yeah. true. So, <laughs> you know, and and there's truth to that just just due to uh, anatomy. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut in a little bit. Uh, back in 2014... 15 time frame, the uh, Marine Corps did a year and a half experiment uh, called the Combat Integrated Task Force. And they had a battalion that was co-ed, both um, all combat arms. The whole entire infantry series, 03, 11, all the way up to, uh, you know, 21, 41, 31s, and uh, 51s and 2s. So... Um, those are tow gunners. Those are uh, uh, machine gunners. You had artillery in there. You had tanks in there as well. So these women, which my younger sister in particular participated in, in this experiment. And for a year and a half, the whole entire purpose was to break these women down. And I'll give you perspective on this where the males were, they took males from both non-grunt units, non-infantry units, and then also from infantry units. And all they did was train. They were in the field every week, uh, traveling all over the country from Camp Lejeune to Virginia, out to California, 29 Palms, and, and Bridgeport for cold weather training. And the whole entire purpose was to break these women down and to a point where as an infantryman, attrition is key. The numbers, right? You know, it's, it's, it's keeping up with the numbers and this experiment, the, in, in my opinion, they didn't care about the numbers. It was simply trying to break the women. But in that effort, you also uh, overworked the men because the men 
we've got a training regiment uh, going up to a workup for a deployment where, you know, there was no deployment here. This this was simply an experiment. And both women and men... So what are they trying to prove? That's It, it, it was a experiment to, to see if women and and males can, I guess... Coexist? <laughs> coexist in, in the infantry. But right? that, but see, I don't understand that. Why would they do that? Why? So I feel like everyone should... They start where they start, right? Yeah. They Both at the, the, the starting line to the finish. Why were they making it harder on them? It, it, it was... That's a good point. It, it was the experiment. It was to prove the point. And, but at the end of the day... If they were harder on men, they would, they would just... I feel like they would have had a lot of... They wouldn't have performed as well. Did the, how did the women perform? So attrition-wise, uh, you know, the numbers started off very high. And then uh, post uh, uh, School of Infantry, mm-hmm. it dropped. And then as they began going into training, it like it dropped even more. Do you think that it's a? Fa- do you think it was fair though? Because they're they're being harder on them. What what was the, what's the purpose of them being harder on the? To see if the women were uh, capable. You know, me and that's pers- where I think there's the wrong approach. Yeah, it should they, be. You equal. said it was co-ed, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's where I think the problem is. It's you can't have it co-ed. That that's my personal opinion, and especially you said that they work the women harder. Like I'm totally yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, but that but that's the. I feel like your your views are your views, and I respect them. I think that things can be co-ed, but just treat everyone equal. That's that you know that's that's going back to anything like whether it's special forces or not. Whether you know it's it's being a. a just in general, a female in the military, a female, you know, in, you know, a, a CEO, it doesn't matter. Everyone, should, I feel like, should be treated equal. I feel like... Should be. Should be, yes. But that's... And if w- that was the case, I would be on your side, too. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it works in this world. Oh, it, it's like, 100% it's not. But we're, we're, <laughs> It never we're, will. We're speaking in theory right now where <laughs> yeah. if we dr- just drop, like, for example, we were talking politics where if, oh, everyone should have their own views and everyone should be loved. It's not like that. We're speaking theor- theoretically right now how we just spoke about, you know, there should be a, a male special forces and a female special forces. With all that being said, um, the culture has to change in the military. The culture needs – we. the problem with the military, we police our own. You know, like, you know how it is where yeah. we just, okay, we'll handle it internally. Yeah. And how many – how many sexual assault cases get swept under the rug? How many times does the – the victim not get her her or his due diligence how many false accusations are there that do not get due diligence it's just i feel like there needs to be a revamp and with that being said i have a question for you like what advice would you give women in the service and what advice would you give men in the service to avoid situations like that and and i'm not saying avoid it like you know people's like oh maybe she shouldn't dress like that no it's not like that what I mean is, what advice do you give to be on your P's and Q's and who to talk to if something like this is happening, whether it's sexual harassment or, God forbid, sexual assault? It's a hard question to answer because, you know, in an ideal world, I'd just be like, be a good fucking person. person? Like, seriously, yeah. just be a good yeah person in an ideal world if it was an ideal world i'm with you i think there there could be co-ed but that's not how this world mm-hmm. is and look at the whole instance with vanessa um what's her last name Ga- Gain? Gain. 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 yeah you know it in a in a perfect world you know what i mean that that kind of shit wouldn't happen in, and a, I in mean, the world finding, now i mean yeah that, yeah and it's that's what I'm trying to explain. I think the world is getting to a darker and darker place, uh, me personally. And uh, this sounds messed up, but, you know, I, I wouldn't tell any I, I don't recommend any woman going into the military anymore, to be honest. Um, and I, there needs to be a revamp. I'm not sure that's going to happen, um, honestly. And that's why I guess my opinion for there just being two separate, like a female unit and a male unit is more ideal personally. Cause I've, I've been through with a co-ed unit and I've been through where it was mostly men and I was the only female. And from my experiences, I just don't see with the world going the way it is and us moving forward that, um, 
there should be the mixture. I think it should be all male, all female, especially now since the, they're muddying the waters with this is probably going to piss people off, but with LGBTQ and all the other stuff, um, it it's a lot that's going on in our society. And our military is always years and years and years behind. Um, so if, if a woman is in the military now, I would just tell them to honestly battle buddy system. I know it sounds so like old school cliche, but seriously, yeah, stay, stay with your females, um, when you can, because I also understand there's certain situations where you don't have that. And, you know, thankfully there are good men in this world and good men who are in the military. Cause I've had those guys actually have my back in certain situations, um, So lean on the people that you trust. That's what I would really tell anyone. And then for a guy, you know, be a a decent human person. You know what I mean? Don't abuse people. Um, Do you think that goes? I think that goes both ways. Yes. That's what I was going to ask. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I'm talking from a perspective of a woman being taken advantage because I think about Vanessa and what she went through. And I don't know if you guys look deep into the case, but I. It's very muddy. Like, yeah, two contradicting things where they were saying like she filed like an EO complaint like that. She was being sexually harassed. And then I heard that she was going to report her killer because he was having uh, relations with a married woman. It it was just real muddy from what I was reading. It only goes to prove that the military is just as fucked up as it is on on the outside. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It It is. It literally, dude, when I was looking into it, because for honestly, I didn't look into it at all. I didn't want to. Um, at first because it is very triggering, especially, you know, I'm a Hispanic woman, you know, me and her kind of like in the same footsteps. I did her exact same job. I was in Fort Hood, you know, it, it just brought me back. Um, but because I knew I was going to be on here, I looked into it and you're right. It's so muddy. There's so much misinformation and the fact that they pulled up four, no, three more bodies because of this incident, yeah. it just shows you that the military the hood is, is literally, the hood. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a hot mess. And that's why I'm saying like to, to be more proactive than reactive for women, you know, if you're going to go in, just already know that you're, it's not a safe place. Unfortunately, I'm just being real. We respect that. I, I can value that, that opinion as well. So, what are you doing today, Leah? Well, I'm just hanging out, talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, like I was telling Sean, um, I did get out of the military, and I've definitely been heavy in the military community since I've gotten out, like for veterans. Um, I work with, uh, I graduated from a program called FitOps Foundation, where they help veterans um, when they're transitioning get becomes a certified personal trainer and go into the health and fitness field. Um, and I've been dealing with health and fitness, um, for even while I was in the military, to be honest, cause like when I started getting the high PT scores and being, uh, like a little beast, um, sure, we're gonna have to talk I, off, uh, after cause I'm going for exercise science and I just transitioned out. So, oh, that's what I'm in right now. Actually exercise science. Um, <laughs> hard because I see the average I have to keep. I'm like RIP to my GI bill because I'm probably going to fail. Well, yeah, we definitely have to talk off on um, mm. topic of that because I just switched over to voc rehab. But um, so, yeah, I'm in school full time. I help out with uh, FitOps Foundation. Um, you can look uh, FitOps.org. And I'm before COVID, I was actually supposed to go there and be a squad leader, which means I'd go there and instruct and teach the next amount of veterans in, um, certify them as a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. So due to COVID, a lot of things are, you know, up in the air right now. They canceled two more classes since, um, since then. And we're just waiting right now to see if the September class would be open. And if it is, I'll be flying over there to, uh, um, Arkansas to teach. Bentonville, Arkansas to teach the next class. But so I've been heavily helping people in the community, veterans specifically, to combat, you know, the trauma that we've been through, through health, through nutrition, fitness, um, and mindset. I'm, I'm really a huge advocate for mindset because that's one thing we all struggle with is like our thoughts. And that kind of goes into what we end up doing. 
And if we don't control what's going on within us, um, it, it creates havoc. You know, right now, since COVID's happened, the, I don't want to bring this up, but I already had uh, four, four friends who have died um, from suicide since COVID. Um, and a lot of it attributes to poor eating again, not working out, you know, not being healthy. I agree. Um, so I focus on got to move your body. You know, you got to take care of your body. And as you're taking care of your body, your mind follows with it because it's hard for us to control our mind. I mean, if if you're craving a freaking pizza, you know what I mean? Yeah. At least for me, I'm going to go up on my Domino's app and hit that up real quick. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and that's the so and I, and I we agree with you the whole thing cuz depression, look, we spoke the podcast is just released today with depression is very real. But, you know, but if you're not exercising, eating right, you know, looking at the proper things on social media, you're not giving yourself a you're not giving yourself a, a fighting chance. Yeah. You have to, you have, it's like legs on the table, you know, without one of the, excuse me, uh, yeah, legs on the table. If one of them's out, it's, the table's going to wobble. You're not going to be sturdy. Exactly. And uh, just a little gust of wind could throw the whole thing out, so. And, but, uh, Leah, we want to say thank you for joining us today on the podcast. It's very insightful. Um, Great conversation. We, we want to say thank you again for opening up. We appreciate it. I hope someone... Uh, many people hear this and they see your strength through it and we really appreciate you opening up to us on the podcast so I say I'm Gio I'm Sean and this is the As As You Were Podcast. Podcast This is a Life in the Fast Lane with Black Moses Alan Lane Quick Fix on Radio Influence your boy Mr. Black Moses cares about you and wants you to enjoy your life. I want you to be a responsible, contributing member, citizen of this universe. And I want you to win. I want you to get whatever your goal is. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. My boy, Nikki Hayden, man, God rest his soul. The Kentucky legend. He's always, let's get it. That's the worst Nikki impersonation. Buddy, if you 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 get what I'm saying, he's like, Let, let's get it. Let's get it. Whenever he said that, I believe that he believed it. Not that no no no. I believe that he knew it. It was already gotten. When he said let's get it, that was letting the universe know I already got that in the bag. When you look at other people in our industry, in the motor industry. I'm not so much a rarity. There are other people that have done tremendous things, more tremendous and more incredible things than I have. But I bet you out of the five, the five steps that I just general steps, like I said, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of process. There's a lot of nooks and crannies. But if you look at others in our industry, athletes, uh, business people, influencers, Okay, if you look at them, I bet you, I bet you, you might find at least three, if not all, but at least three of the five steps that I've discussed today. Okay, so if at least three, three is the magic number, three is the magic number. If at least three out of the five, okay, are resonating, start with one, literally start with number one on the list. And make a damn decision. You dig? Life in the Fast Lane with Black Moses, Alan Lane can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.